We will be in Romans chapter 8 this morning, beginning in verse 1. This is a big, important verse that you should remember. (laughs) There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What a huge verse this is. This doesn't say just that there is no condemnation at the judgment. This doesn't say that there is just no condemnation in the way God views us. This says there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. How could there be? We're in Christ Jesus and surely he's not going to be condemned and is not condemned. And we are in him. Much like we've been studying Noah and his family in the ark, contained in there, covered about, sealed inside, protected, sure and secure. There was no condemnation of them. They were found righteous in God's sight. And so it is with us. There is now no condemnation. Don't skip over that word now. It's not just something about the judgment. John 3.18 says this way, He that believeth on him, talking about Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Do you see the now in both of these passages? There is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Those who have believed not are condemned already. Let's carry on in verse 18 of John 3. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why he's condemned already. Do you see it? Faith, belief, trust in God for righteousness. It's not something we can make on our own. And when we try... We're condemned because we fail. We can only fail. We are imperfect human beings. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That narrow way, the narrow gate, straight way, that's Jesus. There is one way. One mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. John 5.24, Jesus is speaking. He says this. You can always tell when Jesus is speaking. He says, verily, verily at the beginning, right? (laughs) John 5.24, he says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. What a strong and powerful statement coming from Jesus Christ. Now, this might be a little bit confusing because in John chapter 3 and 18, we read that he didn't believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's Jesus, right? Down here in verse five, in chapter 5, now Jesus is saying he's condemned because... Uh, I'm sorry, he hears the word and believes on the one who sent me. So he's talking about believing in the Father. Do you see it? It's that co-equal status between the three persons of the Trinity. 
Bob was praying the opening prayer this morning and sometimes he talked to God and sometimes he talked to Jesus. And it doesn't matter. It's God. He is in three persons, one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can talk to the Spirit within us. The Spirit intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. Jesus stands before the Father and He and he is our advocate before the Father. It's, it's all one God in three persons. Don't get that mixed up. So often, you know, we talk about Jesus and we think of that nice guy in the robes there in the picture in the back of the room. And we think of him with the kids on his lap or we think of him in the boat calming the sea and he just seems loving and nice and wonderful. But then when we talk about God... We think about the Father, and He's somehow sitting up in heaven with a big white beard, and He's a little more grumpy than Jesus, right? And then we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we get this picture of some kind of, you know, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost? Yes, okay, you could say it's a ghost, I guess, you know, the idea of a spirit. But that, that just has the wrong inclination, doesn't it? Ghosts are scary. Ghosts are something we don't understand. In fact, we're not 100% sure they even exist. No. When we say God, when we say Holy Spirit, when we say Jesus, we mean God. It's all one God. Three persons, one God. We don't understand it. We have little pea brains. You know, I watch my chickens running around the yard, and they got these little tiny heads. And you think, how is there a brain in there at all? You know, but they, they know stuff. Man, I'll tell you what. You come out the door, and they come a-running. Because you might have food. They know stuff, that little tiny pea brain, but they don't know everything. So it is with us. Our brains are nowhere near the level of God's intelligence. Man, did we get off the beaten tra track on that verse, huh? <laughs> All right, verse 2. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing about this, verse 1. So let me read it again. There is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I want to talk about that last that last construct in the sentence, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I want you to go now down to, to uh, uh, verse 4 in Romans chapter 8 and read this, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, and we're going to come back to this and go through this verse, okay? But who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you see how there's the same words used there, verse 1 and verse 4? All right, now I want to just say something. I don't really see this as such a huge deal, but there are people who, for whom this is a big problem because many of the old manuscripts in the Greek do not have in verse 1 the words who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. It just stops at Christ Jesus. And that's okay. There's nothing taken away here. And the, the idea, the reason those manuscripts don't have it, uh, the fact that those manuscripts don't have it caused people to think, think that it was a copyist error and it was something from verse 4 was inadvertently inserted down in verse 1. That may or may not be true. I just want to tell you, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference, but I do want to clarify something about it. When we read verse 1, here's how I used to read it. 
There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, I walk after the flesh. I'm not a very good Christian, so there's condemnation for me. That's how I used to read it. But that's not what's going on here. It doesn't say if you walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. It says them that are in Christ Jesus who walk this way. Do you see it? When you're in Christ Jesus, you walk after the Spirit. Now, we can walk according to the flesh. We can walk according to the Spirit. These are choices we make in our physical body here in temporal earth. I'm not saying you always, everything about you is just, but I'm just saying your position is walking in the Spirit. Everywhere you go, the Spirit is. Everywhere the Spirit takes you, there you are. You're walking in the Spirit. There's a difference between walking in and walking according to. I can walk according to the flesh because I might be hearing voices from around the world here saying, oh, the sky is falling. I might walk like the sky is falling. But other times I might believe God more carefully and and really internalize who I am in Christ and walk according to that. And we're hoping that, you know, more and more in our life, we want to see ourselves walking according to the Spirit. But let's face it, we fail every day in some way or another, and usually in many ways. (laughs) But that's not what's being said here. There's a declaration being made. Them who are in Christ Jesus... Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We walk in Him. We are in Him. And so in verse 4, we're going to cover that again. And we're going to talk about, because of the context of verse 4 and 5, together we're going to talk about this concept of being in, that we are after the flesh, that we are after the Spirit. Alright, so verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. What a wonderful verse. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's a new sheriff in town, right? The spirit of life. That life is in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus and we're walking in that spirit of life. We we have been set free from the law of sin and death. What was the law of sin and death? The wages of sin is death. But, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Romans 6.18, you might remember this back when we were studying Romans 6, says this, Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. So we were freed from sin. Romans 6.22 goes on and says this, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, God and righteousness, pretty interchangeable, (laughs) becoming servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. So do you see it? There was that other law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. But here we have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life because the wages of righteousness is life. And whose righteousness did we get? 
2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's pretty righteous. Galatians 2.19 says this, For through the law I am dead to the law that I might live unto God. We're going to read in another place that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Through the law, I am dead to the law. How is that? Because the law showed me I can't do it. And I cast all myself upon the mercy of God. And I, and I accepted that gift of grace, the righteousness that He gives, that is not by works, that is by His gift to me. That is by the blood of Jesus Christ. I put all my faith in that blood. I put all my faith in what Christ did. And no faith in myself. That's the new law. Galatians 5.1 says this. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage was the law. It bound us up. It was a heavy yoke. But what did Jesus say? Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. He said his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. When the yoke you're carrying is not easy, and the burden you're carrying is not light, spiritually speaking, and you feel that you have to perform to get God happy with you again, that's not coming from the Lord. That's coming from the enemy. If it's not an easy yoke and a light burden, it didn't come from God. That goes for the calamity in your life too, by the way. It didn't come from God. John 8.36 says this, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you see it? The chains fell off. You are free to be who you truly are. You are free to love one another. You are free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of the law, the bondage of living by rules and regulations. Free to live as you like. And what do you like? You like what God likes. That's what you really, truly want. Sometimes we don't really think so, you know. There's points in time when we think, boy, what I really want is, you know, you name it, whatever the thing is for you, right? What I really want is that. But have you ever actually accomplished one of those things and gotten it and then went, hmm, yeah, not so much. You know, I used to think when we, when we were living up in New York and I was working hard, I was traveling around a lot and I was taking a train for three hours each direction every day to get to working back. You know, I was living in Albany, New York, 150 miles out of New York City and working in Midtown Manhattan. And, uh, you know, I'm working really hard and I used to think, man, you know, all I want is to go live someplace quiet with just Joan and me and I want to be left alone. So I bought a place in West Virginia, way back up a holler. 
And, uh, you know, I got down there with Joan and me and nobody else, and I got depressed. Because there weren't any people around. I didn't know many people. There was nothing to do. I was just sitting up there getting exactly what I thought I wanted. But it wasn't fulfilling me. That's the way it is when we walk according to the flesh, when we choose fleshly things, when we don't realize, wait, I am in Christ. He is enough. He supplies all my needs. I, this is great what's going on. It's a whole different kind of life. So there's liberty. I can choose to do that. I could choose to move to West Virginia and live with just my wife and, and have nobody bother me. Or I could choose to move to West Virginia and live in my, with my wife and get involved in a church and, and get to know people and, and begin to minister and begin to be ministered to and love and be loved. One of these things is not like the other, as they say on Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. One is of the flesh and one is of the spirit. God is a God of relationship. And as soon as I began to realize, you know what? I need people. That was the spirit in me saying, here's why you don't feel good. Verse 3, Romans chapter 8. For what the law, this is one of my very favorite verses, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The law could not do. Why couldn't the law do it? Because it was weakened through the flesh. Do you see it? Everything you do that has to do with law that has to do with obeying the rules to make God happy, is doomed to failure because you're fleshy. You cannot do it. It's weak through the flesh. So what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. That's the way the spiritual relationship works. It's not about what you do. Because all of that stuff is weak through the flesh. It's about what God has done. And what God continues to do inside you. It's about trusting completely in what He has done. Let's go on to verse 4. Uh, let me read a couple other things first. Verse 3. So, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 3.20 says this, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's what it's for. It shows you. Acts 13 38 and 39 says this. I hear you all flipping. You're not going to be able to keep up with this. If you want a list, let me know. I have a list of all the scriptures I've been using through Romans. And they're tied to the verses that I talked about at the time. So I'll give you those if you want them. Um, Acts 13, 38 to 39. 
Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is Peter preaching a sermon. And I'll tell you, it was some sermon. It was some sermon. By the uh, men and brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, is preached powerful and wonderful stuff. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you so much for this morning and for your word. It is living and active, and every time we go through it, we learn new things. Father, we just thank you that, that your truth is borne out. That we don't just blindly trust, but that, Lord, you leave us little breadcrumbs of clues all along through our lives that prove to us that you are who you say you are, and you did what you said you did, and you've made us who you claim to have made us. It's too wonderful for us. We, don't, we can't imagine it, and yet it's true, and we trust it because we trust you. Father, we pray blessing upon all who are here this week. Drive these truths deep within our hearts. May we walk with these things in mind every day. May, these, may this saturate us to the point that we become different people because we are just radiating your love throughout our lives. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.